Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico with Tyler Tashman, both of the Des Moines Register for our Tuesday Hawks Central podcast. Uh, sorry we missed you last week, obviously the holiday week. Uh, we had to uh, rush our regular radio show to the finish line. And, uh, you know, we had the Black Friday game, which, of course, we talked about in our postgame pod, Tyler. But now we've moved on to the Big Ten championship game, obviously uh, an enormous challenge ahead. And we got a chance to talk to Kirk Ferentz on Sunday, a handful of players on Monday, and now a bunch more players today, and Kirk Ferentz again today. So we have learned a lot in the last couple of days. Uh, what stands out uh, to you from maybe the Hawkeyes side of the message? One from Kirk Ferentz is that I think it, he understands pretty well the task at hand that Iowa basically needs to play a near perfect game. They need to execute their brand of football basically to perfection. And that means, uh, and this is me speaking now, eliminate, eliminating some of those mistakes they had in the, the Nebraska game, whether it be the block field goals, um, you know, the, those are, you know, the kickoffs um, out of bounds. Those are, I mean, the, the smaller details are going to have to really be in order. The other thing is that, I mean, the players have, pretty, you know, constantly been asked about what, uh, you know, it's almost like a David Goliath matchup in terms of the, you know, the perception of who, you know, the favorite, which is obviously Michigan. And they're all basically saying they're blocking it out They're You know, it, they have to play the game. You know, it's not the, the game isn't won just by who's favored. Like that, that's the beauty of sports. You have to play the game. And, um, you know, it, it seems like maybe they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder um, because of that. And, you know, a lot of the talk leading up to the game, I wouldn't necessarily put like a ton of stock in just because it's you have to play the game. And, you know, one way or the other, you can't let your emotions get too high, whether that be because you think you're going to win or because you think, you know, you're a real underdog. So um, that, I feel like that's been kind of the, the dynamic the last few days. The sense I've got, so I've gotten to cover uh, Iowa-Michigan now. This will be four of the last five years. They faced them in uh, 19, uh, lost over there 10 to 3, uh, 20. Uh, they were supposed to play them in Champions Week. Michigan bowed out because of COVID. Uh, 21, of course, was the Big Ten title game, 42 to 3. And then last year, uh, 27 to 14 at Kinnick, where Iowa hadn't scored until the fourth quarter. So points are, has been very difficult to come by against Jim Harbaugh. Uh, the, anyway, the thing that has struck me about Michigan, you know, covering this game, looking into this matchup over the years, especially the last three years now, is they are just – they're almost like a better version at every level except punting and maybe uh, defense. I don't know. Uh, defense is pretty close, but uh, – as Iowa, they they coach fundamentals, tackling, blocking. I mean, you hear national guys talking about Michigan. They're like, yeah, they don't do anything fancy, but they just block and tackle well, and they do the little things right. And that's kind of the program, I guess, uh, goal for Iowa every year. They just don't have the players that Michigan does. So that's the that's kind of the challenge for this matchup, and I think that's why, uh, not to take anything away from Ohio State, but kind of why I was – of the opinion that Iowa had a better shot at Ohio state, just cause it's a different, it's like playing a different type of team. You know, it's like if you played, let's say, I don't know, let's say Fran McCaffrey's team, you know, really good at running the ball, 
up and down the floor, but you're playing a team that's got like it's really good at that too, but with like better athletes. Like Creighton. It's, it's so just, you're basically you're basically describing the Iowa Creighton game, right? Yeah, but yeah, kind of. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But like maybe Creighton times two. <laughs> so um, it's just a it's a really tough challenge for the Hawkeyes, and we're going to get into our uh, how Iowa could win this game in our Wednesday radio show. But as far as just sort of like the players' mentality, getting their minds right, I feel like from listening to Iowa players the last few days, I feel good about the way that they're not overwhelmed. They're kind of finding uh, motivation. I thought it was, I thought Mason Richmond was probably especially good on this stuff. And maybe you can speak more to that, but just as far as it just seems like they are giving themselves a chance and they're not like freaking out about the challenge ahead. I think the comment, Mason made was about like what Joel Klatt said on the broadcast, like kind of poking fun at Iowa, um, the broadcast between the, the Michigan Ohio state game. Yeah. The little engine that could, he said. Yeah. Right. And it does, I guess, sort of the narrative, it, it does kind of fit into something more fundamental that Iowa is just kind of viewed as an underdog nationally, maybe, or, you know, there, there's, I would almost say like a stigma around national around the program because of the offense. And like Kirk Ferentz said today, like people love not to love us, you know, and it's like it, it has partly because of the offense been easy to kind of make fun of. And it's a thing on social media of how how low can the, oh you know, can the uh, over undergo and it's, you know, every week it's a historical low, you know, whoever they're playing. So I think that feeds into the narrative. But it, I was also just made up of a lot of like underdog stories. And I think that's kind of what makes them so special. Like you look at Jay Higgins, one power five offer in high school. Now he's one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in college football. Uh, Quinn Schulte, like his recruiting profile didn't even have any stars on it. Uh, you know, he's a really good safety now for Iowa. Uh, there's so many guys like on Iowa that just kind of embody that, like they're overlooked or, you know, don't have that quite flash that maybe, you know, your five stars or four stars have, but Iowa makes it happen. And that's kind of reflected in the style of football they play, right? It's not a run and gun. It's they're going to make the other team, let the other team make mistakes. So it, it does kind of feed into the larger, this game of Iowa being an underdog feeds into a larger narrative of like, just how Iowa is perceived nationally and, you know, maybe not getting a lot of respect, but feeling like they still have stuff to prove. So uh, I got a couple of thoughts in my mind here. I'm trying to decide which way to go. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about what you did first. Uh, kind of, I think if people out there took the time to understand the Iowa story of this season they would have a lot of backers, but like, I think you framed it really well, Tyler, that just, it's just sort of like the quick social media narrative of, oh, their offense sucks. It's hard to watch them. And yeah, it is hard to watch the offense at times. We've, we've been through it together. We all have right. Uh, Hawkeye fans and reporters, but uh, <laughs> the, they are just a lot of underdog stories. I mean, probably no bigger underdog story than Deacon Hill. I mean, he is like the epitome of this season. You know, a guy that doesn't really look like a quarterback, didn't play like a quarterback for a lot of the season, but now he's kind of starting to play like a quarterback. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him as one of Iowa's highest rated 
players at Nebraska, even with the few mistakes that he had. I think he's making better decisions overall. Still not perfect, but uh, you know he's he's making making the makeables that when he needs to at times enough to win. And you got you kind of got to give him credit. I mean, he came off that Michigan State bench, uh, you know, and he won. I mean, he he won every Big Ten game for Iowa, right? I mean, he's seven and one since he came in. Because you got to give him the Michigan State game, don't you? Well, except the Minnesota, right? Everything. That's what I mean. He's seven yeah. and one. Yeah, like all of Iowa's wins. I mean, he has, yeah. he gets credit for. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty. I mean, well, that's something. Um, so anyway, you know, and even think about uh, we're going to talk about guys coming back from injury, but like a guy like Caleb Brown. You know, like I know he's not an underdog story, but it's a guy that was benched. Uh, you know, didn't even dress one week. Caleb Johnson, same thing. I mean, it's just a. There's not like they're like out of stars, <laughs> like all the guys you would love to see on the field on Saturday. Cade McNamara, Eric All, Luke Lachey, Cooper DeGene. Those are probably the four guys you'd want to see out there more than anybody. <laughs> maybe I, I can't think of probably maybe Jay Higgins now, but uh, he's his own underdog story. But I don't know. It's just it is. Imp- I guess it's uh, we in Iowa. I feel like have kind of grown to appreciate this team, but I just, I just don't think uh, that appreciation is shared outside of maybe Iowa city. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And that's part of what makes this matchup interesting. And that, and that Michigan too has dealt with their own set of drama, you know, definitely more self-inflicted than Iowa, but with, you know, not having uh, Jim Harbaugh on the sideline for various stretches and, um, I, I I think you made a good point before of how Michigan is like a better they 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 do what Iowa does but at a higher level, and it's almost like Iowa is gonna have to un Iowa Michigan if that makes sense like they're gonna they're gonna have to beat them Michigan in a way that teams can beat Iowa which is forcing them to make mistakes. Um, I think the turnover battle is just gonna be massive, whereas you know. Iowa needs to find a way to create havoc on defense. And I think probably one of the most uh, key guys in doing that might be Sebastian Castro, uh, three interceptions on the season. One of those was a pick six against Iowa state. He just, he has really all season wreaked havoc on opponents. So that's why uh, as far as like Iowa needs to play, Iowa needs to basically play mistake free football but it also needs to force Michigan into mistakes that they normally wouldn't make and being able to jump, you know, create some weird stuff defensively, uh, you know, whether that be Sebastian Castro, Jay Higgins, someone on the defensive line. I think to me, that's going to be, if Iowa wants a shot at pulling off an upset, that's going to be one of the huge keys. It would be, it would just to build on my, what I was talking about earlier, it just would be, if you could just pick one of those guys, let's say of the four guys I mentioned, if you could pick one guy to be back for this game, realize it's not possible. Who would it be? Of the of the four, McNamara, Lachey, all to Gene. I mean, that's tough because you know I would maybe say Cade, but like I don't. Which which version of Cade are you getting? Are you getting? Yeah, let's say a good version. Okay, like yeah, the, I his probably, best. Yeah, I would probably say Cade because yeah, I, I think Iowa's defense will be able to keep it in the game. Yeah, you know, someone says 
Cooper. Okay, well, I was gonna say Cooper, but yeah, go I, ahead. I want to hear your. I want to hear your Cade. No, I think I agree too because I think Iowa's defense is gonna do enough to keep it in shouting distance at least, maybe until at least the fourth quarter, and but it's gonna be up to which has basically been the storyline for most of the season of like, can Iowa's offense do enough? And I think one of the keys is can Iowa just hold on to the ball for a while? Like, can they possess it a while? Can they keep it out of Michigan's hands? Uh, The line of scrimmage is going to be huge. This offensive line has improved over the course of the season. It sounds encouraging with some of the injuries they've dealt with of of who might be available Saturday, that Logan Jones, uh, Jennings, Dunker, you know, sound like they might be available. And Leshawn, a guy like LeSean Williams, who has been really good, Caleb Johnson, who has been good in flashes, Jazz Patterson, can they run the ball effectively? Because I just don't see a sustainable path to where you're going to have to rely on Deacon Hill to win the game. You know, he might need to make some uh, good passes, but I just I just don't – if you get in a shootout, it's over. You know, I Iowa cannot afford to get in a shootout. You know, I, I think it needs to – it needs, like I said, play almost mistake-free football – but it also needs to uh, do some things to, you know, jumble it up for Michigan. But anyways, that got sidetracked. You got, you got way off track there. Yeah, I, I forgot what I was talking about. Hey, no, because I asked, you, I asked about one of four players. And now we're I talking think, about yeah, John no, Williams somehow. I think they they needed the offense. I think the defense would do close to enough. So that's, but what is your I, No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Cooper DeGene for me just because – I feel uh, I just feel like this was it's such a missed opportunity. Uh, I know he's I mean, he today he won Big Ten defensive back of the year. So awesome. And return specialist of the year for not even playing a full season. So that's awesome for him. But it would have been so epic, I feel like. To go into this game and now you've got a month of him maybe playing a little more offense and maybe now you play him 15, 20. 25 snaps on offense and he's playing every snap on defense. Maybe he's making a big punt return if they ever force him to punt. Uh, It just would have been like almost an Iron Man type of performance because he can do so much and he's the one explosive guy that can take it to the house on defense, on on special teams and offense. So I would, I would have just loved to have seen that um, on Saturday. Uh, And they, like I said, they won seven games without Cade McNamara. So, uh, I'd go. I'd go to Gene. Obviously, getting any of those tight ends back. I know people have asked about Lachey. I asked about Lachey last week. Not an option this week uh, for the Big Ten title game, unfortunately, unless they're going to really surprise us. But <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I guess we'll see on the injury report. If he's questionable on the injury report, then we can all get excited. Let's get into our second topic now, Tyler. Which is you touched on it. The, the guys coming back from injury. It was a huge. I feel like a really good news Tuesday uh, on the injury front because uh, the four guys that you wondered about all seem like they're coming back. Jennings Dunker at right tackle, Caleb Brown at receiver, Deontay Vines at receiver, Logan Jones at center. So these are four starter-level players coming back. At least three of them uh, are starter-level players. Uh, You know, Brown's maybe jumped Vines in this time. But to me, the the biggest one of – I don't know – I'll start with Dunker. I, I feel like having watched Aiden Hutchinson just murder Jack Plum uh, off the edge two years ago, you can't go into this game without solidified right tackle pass blocking. So 
I think that helps a lot. Hopefully he's close to 100%. Yeah, the, the line additions uh, would be huge because Iowa's ability to control the line on both sides of the – you know, on offense and defense is, I think, going to be crucial. But Caleb Brown, I mean – that's that would be a massive uh, lift if they could get him back because he's one of. Well, he's you know, back. I, yeah, he's so back. he is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, he's one of those game breakers that can make explosive plays that you can get the ball in his hands and he can kind of create something out of nothing. So if Iowa's offense is going to be able to do enough, uh, he's a guy that can I feel like can really lift that. Deontay Vines, it doesn't hurt having him back, but he just. Uh, you know, he's been out the last few games. He was inconsistent before that. I feel like Caleb, the way that he has come on the last few games, um, will be, you know, is it would would be a significant lift. And someone I just want to address, someone said uh in the comments, remind me what a good K did for the offense. I think that's fair because but the thing is I don't think we really saw a good K in this offense. The good Cade is the one that led Michigan to a big 10 title and a college football playoff berth. So I, you know, I think that's where it gets kind of clouded of which cave you're getting anyways. Um, yeah. Caleb Brown, I think he can, he can be a game breaker and a guy that can, can alter the complexion uh, you know, of the game in a matter of seconds, if he gets in the open field. Agreed. Yeah. I, I thought it was a significant, piece of news that to hear both Dunker and Brown, those are the two biggies for me coming back. And uh, to your point on McNamara, one more uh, Kirk Ferentz on Sunday, because we were talking to Michigan media was on the call too. So they had a lot of questions about McNamara, et cetera. And, and Ferentz said in that press conference, we thought we were going to have an excellent offense this year with Cade McNamara. And he said it all started changing uh, when he got that quad injury on August 12th, and he was never the same um, until the ACL uh, on the second or third drive against Michigan State uh, in game five. And then um, I wrote a little bit about Kid McNamara today, uh, what he said on the Matt and Laura Vandenberg podcast about uh, helping the team prepare for this game, which I thought was really interesting. So go read that at hawkcentral.com. Uh, he's he's trying to help as much as he can. He knows their tendencies on defense and offense. Obviously, he would four years in as a quarterback. But he also said, like, I, the first drive of that Michigan State game, uh, they, I think they drove right down the field, looked good, and then they kind of stalled out. But, like, he felt like they were finally coming around. So that's why it was sort of cruel that, uh, yeah, they got a field goal on the very first drive of that game. Um, I'm looking back at it now. And uh, so then he goes out right after that. But he felt like that offense was kind of starting to come together. Yeah, Vines for 23, Regaini for 14, Stiliano's for nine. And then they got, ended up getting a field goal. But anyway, back to the injury guys. Uh, Logan Jones, uh, I know some people in the text group have been, ah, didn't Ellsbury play well enough to beat him out? Well, he did play really well. Uh, I'm going to guess that coaches are going to go with Logan Jones if he's healthy. But I think the best part about Logan Jones coming back is that you've got you got options there. Like what if Tyler Ellsbury gets hurt? You know, like then you're really in trouble at center. So that's just gonna help out um on Saturday. And the same deal. I mean if Logan Jones can't cut it or whatever, I'm sure they'll put in Ellsbury, but it gives you more depth options 
Maybe Ellsbury could go play left guard if need be. I don't know. Um, at least it gives you some options. I know Ellsbury was like the next man in for Mason Richmond if he went down at left tackle. So that's another, you know, another thing out there. Um, so all depth helps on Saturday. Um, any final thoughts about what you heard, Tyler, today, the other day from players maybe that we haven't talked about? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it for the most part, just of the the kind of underdog perception. It, it doesn't feel like I was letting it get too overblown. And, and the way that they've dealt with everything this season, this is this doesn't seem too major. I feel like everything that they've dealt with up to this point has prepared them for a situation like this, whether you know it be dealing with the sports wagering investigation to all the injuries to news that Brian Ferentz won't be coming back uh, after this season to uh, the invalid fair catch. I mean, this team is battle tested. I don't think, I mean, Michigan is going to be by far the best team they face this season, but there aren't going to be circumstances I don't think thrown in the game that are going to totally derail it or that they haven't really seen before. So they've seen just about everything under the sun so far this season. So as much as they can against a team like Michigan, I feel like they're prepared for a stage like this. And I guess we, this came up Sunday, so I guess we haven't talked about it, but Drew Stevens sounds like he's back as kicker uh, as long as he has a good finishing week of practice. So I think that's good news too. I mean, if he could be back in a good mental state, I rewatched the game obviously as I always do for DVR Monday. And uh, you know, it's funny, like the, the first field goal he made, but they had to delay a game penalty and then it got blocked. I mean, if that doesn't happen, I wonder if the whole mentality of the day changes. And then uh, he did make his second field goal. And then, uh, and then came like a kick out of bounds, then the block, then another kick out of bounds. So you can see how it was kind of unraveling. But I I don't think it's like some perpetual problem for Drew Stevens or anything like that. I'm pretty confident that he can get right back on track. They've got great mental health or mental uh, coaches. I don't, I don't want to say mental health, but just men, uh, sports you know. psychologists. Yeah, or... that one. That's the one. <laughs> uh, yeah, sports psychologists. Yeah. So uh, – that's good. I mean, he's got a good leg. He could be a factor. I mean, they need to be able to punch in 47-yard field goals. Dome conditions, you got to feel like you're, you know, as a kicker, that's about as ideal as you can get. So uh, that's another little bit of news. All right, let's talk about All-Big Ten, uh, Tyler. Uh, that came out today. Good job writing that up on, on the fly in the middle of our availability. Uh, I guess the, let's start with the good news for Iowa. Uh, first team All-Big Ten, uh, three players. Uh, Cooper DeGene, Jay Higgins, and Tory Taylor. Uh, all of them got Big Ten. Well, no, Higgins didn't, but DeGene and and Taylor also with additional honors. DeGene got a punt return specialist, or was it was it just specialist, or was it return punt? specialist? Return return specialist of the year. And well, he had the one punt return, and we know that he could have. Had the other had that was taken yeah, away. We'll call it one and a half. Um, yeah, and he got robbed at Northwestern too on that. What, wasn't um, that? Uh, didn't they have like a block in the back or something? I mean, he had that big line oh, at Northwestern. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was, it was kind of a lame block in the back call. But anyway, he got a lot called back this year. He got. I mean, he ba- the awards he got from the Big Ten. He got like 
basically everything. Like he didn't get everything, but he got a lot because yeah. he, he also got defensive back of the year, uh, first team all Big Ten defense, first team all Big Ten specials, specialists, and then the other two. So, yeah. And these uh, he's not even playing the last two games of the season. So, <laughs> well, and um, getting Big Ten defensive back of the year is super significant because all American voting is going on right now. And, you know, people that don't watch the Big Ten are going to see that and like, oh, the best defensive back in the Big Ten is Cooper DeGene, you know. Oh, and he was a return specialist of the year. I better put him on my all American team. And, uh, you know, he, so he should be. He, he would have a really good chance to be a consensus All-American like Jack Campbell was last year. And I think Tory Taylor, uh, Ray Guy Award finalist uh, today, one of three. Cooper DeGene, a Jim Thorpe Award finalist today also. So those are two significant honors for both of those players. I would be surprised. I'd be surprised if Taylor, really surprised if Taylor doesn't get consensus All-American. Um, DeGene, I think, will. Uh, but that's and that's pretty good, you know. That's a pretty good representation of this team because those two players, arguably, eh, I mean Higgins is right there too. But those two players really swung the field uh, more than anybody this year. Obviously, I might be biased because of watching every Iowa game this season. But I thought Higgins should have gotten Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Newton got it from Illinois, which not to take anything away from him, like I'm sure he was very. Uh, qualified for but I mean Higgins is the the things that he's done it feels like in the tangible with him being like one of the leading tacklers in all, in all of FBS leading tackler in the Big Ten but also just like what what really can't be quantified which is the work that it took to get to this point and and the way that he has led like an elite defensive unit like because he when he's out there making calls on the field. He, I mean, he just, I think I've said this before. He just looks like a madman, you know, when he's, when he's making calls and um, it's really, I mean, it's, it's crazy how to come to have to fill in for Jack Campbell, who's, you know, Iowa legend, the, how, how seamlessly Jay Higgins has made it look the, the level that he has been able to play out. And now it's like the narrative has gone from how, well, how is Iowa going to, replace Jack Campbell to how is Iowa going to replace Jay Higgins and who's going to come after him. He still could come back next season. Um, but he said he's undecided right now, but uh, he is, I mean, he's just been one of the, the more, uh, I guess like fun, fun to watch storylines of the season, the level he's played at. Yeah. I think uh, I, I thought he would be big 10 linebacker of the year for sure. Uh, it was not Tommy Eichenberg of Ohio State got that award. So I feel like that was a little bit of a snub. I was surprised, but I guess Iowa can't win all the awards. <laughs> they they got DB and punter. Um, so, but I think the biggest snub I would say would be the fact that Sebastian Castro was honorable mention for coaches. Now he got second team all Big Ten from us smart people in the media, uh, but. Honorable man. I mean, that guy, he is the number one. So I have a PFF login, and uh, he is number one in the country among defensive backs in, in grade. And he was – it's hard for me to believe that 
coaches did not give him a nod. There must be – I don't know what they're looking at there. That surprised me. It, I feel as like as good as his numbers have been, I feel like there's two just like – you have to watch him to really appreciate him because he plays so hard. He hits so hard. He plays with like a, you know, kind of a reckless abandon. Uh, th- that won't really show up as much on the stat sheet. So maybe that's part of it. And, and going back to Higgins too, I feel like part of the reason he maybe hasn't gotten the respect regionally and nationally that he deserves is like, this is his first season, like really on that stage. Right. And that's not to his fault to any of his fault because he was just behind Jack Campbell. But some of these other guys have been around for two or more years. And Jay just isn't as much of like a known commodity around the big 10 and around the country, because this is his first season playing at this, you know, as a regular starter. So, you know, maybe that factors a little bit into it as well. I'm not sure. So the offense comes out tomorrow. Um, not expecting any first teamers, of course, for Iowa. You know, I think outside shot, maybe Connor Colby on second team. Potentially, he's got a really good pro football focus grade. I guess we'll see. You never know. It's hard to, I mean, as a voter, uh, it is hard to, to know on the offensive line. You just kind of have to ask around more so on that because um, I use PFF and I use, you know, what the schools say about their own guys and kind of take it all into stock. But uh, offensive line's tough. Um, unless it's obvious. Uh, others, uh, all Big Ten, let's see here. Joe Evans, third team. Nick Jackson, third team uh, on the media. And oh, that's crazy. The coaches, the coaches, first, second, and third teams for defense had two Hawkeyes. Can you believe that? Two. And, and that's also sort of the – thing is where coaches aren't going to be watching every single game you know you probably or you you watch the games obviously that you're playing against but it's not like they're sitting down on Saturdays and watching every single game so it you know it might be more difficult to gauge and I know they have film and stuff but um that's kind of I guess the difference between football and basketball right college wise Mm -hmm. is where football almost everything happens on the exact same day so in a lot of stuff is in a similar window so it's difficult to see everything that's happening where basketball it's you know different days time slots it's it's much easier to just watch it casually at a higher volume so yeah i'm just kind of staring at this coach's defensive team you look enthralled by that i wasn't sure i I was saying i just can't believe there's only two hawkeyes on the first three teams out with with that defense yeah. And like the that's like all they had to win games. They won 10 games without offense. <laughs> they got two guys on the first, second, and third team. That's uh that's pretty wild. The the media much smarter. Uh five Hawkeyes on the on the first three teams and honorable mention for several others. Uh, Logan Lee, Deontay Craig, Quinn Schulte, Wyatt Black. So anyway, uh and then of course Tory Taylor. Drew Stevens honorable mention as well. So anyway, any final thoughts, Tyler, before we go? It's a long shot for Iowa to uh, win Saturday, but so has its season. I think if, if you would have learned everything that would happen this season uh, before it started and predict where what Iowa's record would be, maybe seven wins. I probably would have said seven wins at most, given all the hurdles. Um, but I was here 
10 and two overall, seven and two in the Big Ten. Uh, this season has entirely been a long shot. So, and it's been weird. It's been crazy. It's been chaotic. So, I don't think I was going to win, but so many things have happened this season that it also wouldn't shock me if they somehow do pull it up. Uh, well, we will get into the matchup itself uh, on our Wednesday night radio show. Make sure to catch that podcast either on our website uh, or on Apple. Cakes and I will put that out as well. So uh, plenty of platforms to find that tomorrow night. And then we will have our post-game pod on, I don't know, <laughs> middle of the night, I guess. On uh, like Sunday? Eight. Early Sunday, maybe? Yeah, maybe. The, the kickoff time, I'm looking at it right now, is 8.17 p.m. Eastern, Tyler. So we got to get a rest. Got to get a rest Friday night. Need some naps, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, the basketball game tomorrow, right? Hawkeye men? Yep, North Florida at Carver Hawkeye. Okay. Eight Central. Eight Central? Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get our Hawk Central radio show out to you before that starts. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, Tyler Tashman, Chad Lysico saying so long. Talk to you soon.